0: It's Season 2 of Home Court Press Utah Jazz Talk with Brian Priest and McCade Pearson. After a season opening victory over Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers, the Utah Jazz drop a disappointing game to the Minnesota Timberwolves in their first regular season home test of the year. Can the Jazz maintain their early season average of 42 threes per game? Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neill have been controlling the glass for the Jazz, but will it be enough against the best teams in the league? And when Donovan and Bogey struggle like they did against Minnesota, who needs to be the guy to pick up the scoring slack? Stay tuned as all that and more is coming up next on Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk. Ingles up top, hood defense. Favors will try to set the screen, Ingles pull up three. That's dialed in. Conley, to Gobert, Gobert wants the challenge Cantor. Gobert can't snake that one in. Steals the rebound from Mello. Follows it up. Conley. Oh, the big feed and Rudy two for two. Conley with a bullet pass.
1: Stop and go drive. Conley fouled on the shot. Gonna count it. Yes, they will. Yang grabbed the loose ball to Donovan. He wants to drive. He does. Hangs it up. It's off the rim. The follow by Gobert. A heave from three quarters court, and the Jazz walk off the floor. Oh. Losers by five, 116 to
0: 111. Welcome into Home Court Press. Brian Priest here, joined by McCade Pearson. And we had some technical difficulties and scheduling issues this week, McCade. We didn't get our normal Wednesday show. And we're actually recapping the first two games of the season in one big episode today. But throw it to you first. How was your Christmas, man?
1: Uh, It was really fun. I'm out spending some time with my wife's family uh, for the first time, probably, probably since the pandemic began, actually. We're having a good time. Things go well. It's nice to have a break, and Christmas is a fun time of year.
0: It's great to get away, especially like you as a student. You have that three weeks to a month between semesters, and it's really nice to just get out of the, especially during the pandemic, this bubble that we've all created for ourselves. It's great to get out of that, even if you're still... Just sitting in someone's home, you're at somebody else's home, and you're you get to see a couple different people. I bet that's a a big boost to your morale.
1: My parents usually spend Christmas in Hawaii. They didn't this year for a couple of different reasons. COVID, obviously, an issue, and Hawaii's locked down anyway. Long story short, they're home for Christmas for the first time in a few years. A couple of years in Ohio. A couple of years home alone. I came. I spent Christmas all alone a couple years ago because I wanted to go to the Jazz Blazers game so bad. <laughs> and now seeing my wife's family traditions, it's it's all fun.
0: Before we get into jazz talk and NBA talk, McCade, I just wanted to take a moment, and you know, there was a, a devastating blow to the University of U football program yesterday, and less so even about the football program. There was a, an 18-year-old kid running back for the U, Ty Jordan, and it sounds like there was an accidental discharge of a gun, and Ty Jordan was killed. So it, we just wanted to start off by giving our condolences to ty jordan's family we understand they also lost uh, their mother in august so it's been a really difficult stretch for the jordan family and yeah we just wanted to offer our condolences uh, to them and the utah football program as uh, this is one of those things where the color of your jersey doesn't matter and who you cheer for doesn't matter it comes down to this is an 18 year old kid and these are people and when a life is lost it's it's a sad thing no matter what the life is but I think that Ty Jordan had a lot of potential in his life and in his football career, and to see that gone so quickly is—it's sad. It's tough to see.
1: No, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, more details and questions will be answered over the coming weeks, but at the end of the day, those details and answers don't matter. What matters is a life was lost mm-hmm. tragically, and that's no fun for anybody. World, nobody likes to see that. So, thoughts and prayers out to those affected. I don't even say family to family, friends, fans, whoever's affected.
0: It's just terrible. I mean, what was it? A week ago, he was scoring three touchdowns against Washington State. And One
1: Pac-12 freshman of the
0: year Pac- seven yeah. hours ago. Pac-12 offensive freshman of the year. And, you know, I'm, I'm just a, the type of person that always wonders what if, and and not assigning blame at all, but what if the University of Utah football program hadn't voted to not Playing in a bowl game what if they were still together what if he was still with the team what if they were playing in a bowl game yesterday which it sounds like probably would have been the case instead of him being home for Christmas break you know how would things be different but you know it's just it's hard it's really hard to speculate I'm sure the family's playing that what if game but yeah just we'll wrap up by saying heart goes out to those guys condolences to the friends and family the Utah football program as we said and It's just, it's always hard to lose a young life like that. All right, McCade. So I guess now we'll switch gears here and let's talk about the Jazz. One and one on the regular season. They went three and oh in the preseason. And we've seen a lot of exciting things, things to be happy about from the Jazz so far. The first game of the year, they go up to Portland and. The Blazers are always a really tough matchup for the Jazz just because of the style of play that they employ. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic is a tough matchup for Rudy Gobert because they play the drop big and they always have somebody protecting the paint, paint, but the Jazz go into Portland and win by 20, 120 to 100, and for whatever reason, no matter how good these teams are, they rarely have good games against each other. It usually, it seems like more often than not, it's a blowout, right?
1: <laughs> no, Yeah, I saw someone talk about that on Twitter. I'll have to go double-check the exact numbers, but they've played 20 times in the last five years, and something like 15 of them have been decided by 15 points or more.
0: Yeah, that sounds um, right.
1: As I said, I'll go look up the exact numbers if you want me to after the podcast. But a lot of blowouts in these games, and we saw another one the other night. Uh, not the one-on-one start we expected kind of flipped a little bit, but the Jazz looked great. Dame only had nine points, zero in the first half. That's fantastic. Donovan started really, really slow, had an ugly first six minutes, and then played fantastic the last 42. The Jazz made shots. I've learned when the Jazz make their shots, they're going to win, and if the Jazz don't make their shots, they're going to lose. Um, there's my uh, fire start take for the day. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Hey, listeners, wanted to tell you about something that I discovered recently that's pretty cool. It's called Joyful.Gifts. Joyful.Gifts is a service that makes gift giving easy and simple. You tell them who you want to give gifts to, you set a budget, and then they select, buy, and ship your gifts automatically to every occasion while you have that peace of mind. Best of all, you actually save some money since the software continuously monitors the web for the best prices for you. If you want to give it a try, it's at joyful.gifts. No www needed, no .com. Just type joyful.gifts in your browser and you're set to go.
1: But a lot of good things that you're seeing are becoming real habits and not one game sample sizes. You know, the three point rate for one is looking pretty real and legit that they're going to shoot a lot of threes this year, which is great. I think Boyan had what, 11 and Donovan had 10 and Ingles even had eight. I think Royce had four or five. Like, these guys are getting up the shots. We'll see where we're at in a couple weeks. But really good start for the season. Got I'd been really excited, and then we played Minnesota and lost a little of that excitement, I guess.
0: And you do say about the, the shots that when shots fall, you perform well, and when shots don't fall, you don't have as good of a game, and that's really the tale of these two games. Right now the Jazz are averaging 42 threes a game on the season. They took 50 in the season opener against Portland, and I don't know if 50 is something that they can realistically – They can realistically set the goal to reach night after night, but the occasional forty-five to fifty-three-point attempt game I really like because of the way the Jazz are built. You will have moments, you will have games like yesterday against Minnesota, where your two two of your most relied upon shooters, Donovan Mitchell and Bojan Bogdanovich, combine and go. I think it was nine of thirty-nine from the field. Those games are going to happen, but overall, I think it's exciting. We've got some some good things that that we're seeing on the floor, not just the three-point attempts, but the, the way they've been able to create open looks. Rudy's been getting some opportunities at the basket, and it's been a lot of what I think we've expected this Jazz team to be and what we, they need to be to reach their final goal of an NBA championship.
1: Yeah, and so now we see what they take, because we've kind of seen the good, bad, and ugly so far, right? Now we just got to wait and see what do they take from these first two games. And what do they take forward and do an important little three-game stretch? They go down to Oklahoma City and come home for two games on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and then the big seven-game road trip. And so these kind of next ten games, as you get to the first dozen games of the season, especially in a season with ten games fewer than we're used to, are really important to figure out who you are. So I'm really looking forward to this, to this road trip as a great place for the team. to I mean, the team's already bonded a lot because we brought everybody back. But to really see where this team is at as we go on that fun road trip with five East teams, that, I mean, Yeah, five these teams that aren't the toughest in the world, and then Brooklyn and Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, that's the thing about this Jazz schedule is that's a really difficult road trip. It's seven games, essentially nine because they only come home for one before going back out on the road to Denver. And I think it could be beneficial for a team like the Jazz for the most part. This is a team that's played together. Besides the rookies and Derek Favors, everybody knows each other on this team. So. I think they're going to have a chance to go out on the road and because of the COVID precautions and protocol from the NBA, they're they're going to be forced to bond and spend time together while they're on this long road trip. And I, I think it'll be a good thing and an opportunity for them to grow where when you're at home and if you have a four, five, six, seven game homestand, you don't have that time early in the season to spend around your teammates and, and everybody. And I just think it's a I don't need to keep repeating myself, but I do think this upcoming trip is, is going to be a very good opportunity for the Jazz if they take advantage of it. It's also a situation where they it, I wouldn't predict it by any means, but you've seen teams go on long road trips, and then they bottom out, and they kind of crater, and it sets a tone for an entire season.
1: Yeah, we've seen this issue the last four or five years with the Jazz start slow and then go on a tear after the All-Star break into February, March, April, and so on. And then they get the five seed because they lost games in November and December. Um, obviously, schedule calendar wise is a little different this year, but the same idea is that you got to come back from that road trip at eight and four or nine and three or seven and five at worst to give yourself a chance moving into the middle and late part of the season to be a top seed. Wind it back a little bit. Let's talk about the last two games because there's a lot to break down there. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from the Portland game?
0: So let me preface everything that I'm going to talk about today. I didn't get to watch the Minnesota game. I know you and I talked about it. And due to a variety of just circumstances, technological issues, my TV recording the Minnesota broadcast instead of the Utah broadcast, I'm not totally mad about that because not having to watch AT&T Sportsnet is okay (laughs) by me. But I didn't get to watch the Minnesota game. So, yeah, talking about Portland – One of my favorite things, and it's not just the Portland game, it it was the preseason and the Portland game, all of that combined. The way the defense looks familiar. Last year it seemed so odd watching the Jazz defense, especially when Rudy wasn't on the floor. Even at times when he was, they they didn't look like a unit that knew how to play together and work off of each other defensively. And now I'm watching this team and... That's exactly what I'm seeing. You know, Whether it be the the starting unit with Rudy Gobert anchoring things in the paint, or you go to the bench unit with Derek Favors down there, they've got a lot of hustle on the perimeter. And they just, for all the talk about the Jazz not having great depth, I feel like they actually do have some pretty good depth. I mean, yeah, they're, they don't have an all-star littered roster. They don't have aging veterans that can come in and, and really help them out and give them 15 minutes a game. But they have a lot of youth. They have good length on the perimeter, and they just seem to be a more cohesive unit early in this, you know, five games into the season. And that's the thing that excites me the most, because that's that's what they needed the most. They were really lacking in that defensive intensity and desire, and now it looks like they've been able to recapture it for a variety of reasons. And so even when you do have games where Boyan and Donovan go 9 for 39 from the field— the Jazz still have a chance to win that solely because their defense was able to keep them close enough. The chips were down and it was crunch time. They at least haven't had an opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing about having good, really good role players and Rudy Gobert's superstar impact offensively where he's just going to give you 8 for 10 every night and that's going to boost up those 9 for 39s on the other side enough to keep you in games if you can get Rudy those 10 goal attempts, which is the question. It's not that if he'll make the shots, it's how many can you get him. Because um, Rudy's been dominant. What do you have? 20 and 17 in the first game, and then 19 and 18 last night. And he's just everywhere, in every rebound, making what feels like every shot. The um, Jazz on with the season opener moved to 45 and 15 in Rudy Gobert's career when he scored 20 or more points. That if you can just get Rudy to 20, you're gonna win because that's so 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 good for your offense and the impact he brings defensively, especially with the guys they have around him now. Um, with Baylor's off the bench it's just going to be impossible to lose when Rudy Gobert scores 20 points. And of course that's an arbitrary number. We just lost with him scoring 19, right? But <laughs> the offensive impact Gobert's having this season has just been fantastic. And you hope that continues. You want to see Gobert get those 10, 12 shots up every game.
0: And what's really exciting for me. I'm glad you talked about Rudy there, not just his scoring, getting the 10 shots per game. I look at his rebounding and one, if he's going to average 17 rebounds a game, I'm, pretty excited about that. But two, if you look at those rebounding numbers, he's actually out of the 34 rebounds he's gotten this season, 12 of those 34 are offensive rebounds. And that's one of the biggest things for Rudy's game, whether it's creating additional offensive opportunities for other guys or getting those those putback dunks and easy layups. And You know, this is something as Jazz fans, we saw a lot last year. The Jazz struggled to close out possessions defensively and finish with a rebound, especially without Rudy on the floor. And we see how often that can just be a debilitating thing for your team. You you guard for 20 to 24 seconds, you force a missed shot, and then you give up an offensive rebound. Then you guard for another 10 to 12 seconds, you force another missed shot and give up an offensive rebound. It's hard to stay mentally in the game when you can't finish possessions like that. So the the way Rudy has been able to rebound on the defensive end, but what that does to the psyche of teams on the offensive end when he's pulling in You know, six offensive rebounds a game is what he's averaging right now. That's gigantic. Thanks for tuning in today. It's season two of Home Court Press with McCade Pearson and Brian Priest. Home Court Press can be found on any of your major podcatchers, including Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And please, if you like what you're hearing, remember to share, rate, and review so that we can expand our audience. Home Court Press can also be found on KBar.com. Just go to KBar.com forward slash Home Court Press. Lastly, give McCade Pearson a follow on Twitter at McCade P8. That's mccadep8. That's M C C A D E P8. You can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter as well at priest 24 that's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. As always, thanks for listening to Home Court Press. And take note. Now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, he had four and then eight last night, I believe. And yep. That's something that doesn't get talked about enough, especially with senders, because in today's day and age, we all want to talk about, oh, well, uh, can this guy create his own shot? And we, is a little better in the post than people give him credit for. But, no, you're not going to throw, hey, Rudy, take the ball to the block, get us a layup. You know, we're down two or ten seconds to go. Go for it. That's not Rudy's game. That's not really any center's game in today's NBA outside of maybe Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns. But Rudy Gobert just being in position to grab rebounds and put it back in the basket is a version of creating your own shot. Those Don't go down as assists, mm-hmm. um, And they're just really valuable to where if Dominic Mitchell's going to actually get to the rim and put up three good layups that are a little out of control so they don't fall in, but Rudy's there in good position to grab the ball and put it back in, that is a unassisted, Rudy created shot with the help of Donovan getting to the rim originally that really helps boost an offense. So, we've talked a lot about the quantity versus quality and how the Jazz need to get up more shots. And they've gotten up, I think, 102 and 97 shots in the first two games, which are just ridiculous numbers, a large part because of these offensive rebounds. And so, that's really good to see the offensive rebound numbers, both from Rudy. Royce had six and has looked fantastic getting those six. And then just favors for two Donovan for one, Mike Conley for one, those things really help boost an offense when things are struggling like we saw last night
0: another big thing that i've noticed in these two games is royce o'neill's rebounding from the bubble and still early in this season his rebounding's been really good he had 13 last night against minnesota including three offensive boards and then against portland seven rebounds another three offensively and When Royce is able to attack the glass like that and get some of those rebounds, that was a a big boost to this Jazz team in the bubble. I think it's important that he continues to keep doing that, but Royce has got to shoot the ball, and he needs to be more effective when he does shoot it. He was scoreless against Portland, and then against Minnesota, it was a little bit better offensively. Two of four from the field with five points. He did hit a three, but we've seen in the playoffs year after year after year, they sag off of Royce because he isn't very willing to take that open shot. He's definitely not going to shoot a contested look, but even the open shots, he hesitates way too often, and that's something that come playoff time, you know, for the 72 regular season games, I'm honestly not that worried about it, but you've got to have the mindset to pull the trigger because come playoff time, teams will the game plan against that. And they say, hey, leave Royce open. That's fine. He doesn't want to shoot the ball. And if you've got that hesitation in your head, anybody who's ever played the game, but I know for me, if I hesitate with an open look and then decide to take it, I'm going to shoot a far lower percentage after the hesitation than I would just pulling the trigger and putting the shot up. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and going back to the rebounding thing, because I brought it up, and then you dove into it more. So I was messing around with basketball reference, you know, like I do every day. This was back in the middle part of last season, and I was curious about some offensive rebound numbers for so the Jazz were really struggling. And you look it up, I think I did you know, some minutes played and some number of defensive rebounds, blah, 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 whatever. And Royce O'Neal uh, showed up like second worst in the NBA in offensive rebounding. And it just shocked me because he's such a good defensive rebounder from that guard wing position um so yeah i think he had like two in the first however many games last season and now he's had six through two games and you just watched i went back and watched all six of those offensive rebounds as well as some other plays and he's just attacking the glass Mm -hmm. um seems to be a schematic thing from quinn saying hey we need a little more offensive rebounds from our non-centers and a lot of hustle plays where he just gets a hand on a ball and gets it tipped out for an offensive rebound but yeah royce is applying those defensive rebounding skills on the offensive end and it's been fantastic to watch And again, the shooting isn't great. It's two games. I'm not ready to worry about it yet. It'll come around. Um, As we talked about earlier with Boyan and Joe and Donovan and Mike, we want to see some quantity, not necessarily quality, from Boyce because the shots will fall. He's a good three point shooter, but he needs to get some shots up if he wants to make some shots, obviously.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One more thing I wanted to talk about, McCade, in recap of this Minnesota and Portland games that I'm excited about, and I I really hope it continues this year for the Jazz. They're averaging 28 free throw attempts per game through two, obviously. So small sample size, but for a team that likes to shoot an awful lot of threes, being able to get to the free throw line 28 times is a really big deal because one, it, it obviously gets your opponent in foul trouble, but it's easy points and That's exciting to watch from the Jazz. Out of those 28 free throws that they're attempting a game, they're getting 22 free points, which is a huge thing and something they've struggled with in previous seasons. So hopefully they've been able to fix that.
1: Yeah, Rudy's obviously one of the best at that in the league. His free throw rates, you know, top five all time up there with the Dwight Howards of the world. Um, But what's really nice to see is Donovan, nine free throw attempts last night. Um, Some fluky ones, you know, some bumps in the bonus and stuff like that, but they count, right? I'm not going to complain about them. Um, Mike Conley had eight. Jordan Clarkson had six off, I believe two, three pointers, actually might've been an N one, one, three pointer too. Anyway, there's numerous guys getting to the line and that's valuable because I say this all the time and I can't emphasize enough to be a average scorer from the free throw line. You need to shoot 44% from the line which is just ridiculously low. Basically, any free throw you take is a good free throw, whether you're Shaq or Dwight Howard, or even Rudy's not perfect. If you get to the line and can shoot 42% from the line, then you are an average scorer.
0: So Udoka Azubuki is still a pretty piss-poor free throw shooter, you're saying? <laughs> he
1: <is>. but <laughs> I'm saying if you, want to, if you want to compare a average NBA possession to Azubuki's 42% free throw shooting, they're going to be about the same. So, which just means he's not giving you value by getting to the line. But any other NBA player is giving you value every time they get to the free-throw line. And that's one of the reasons it makes Rudy so good, even in the mid-60s. And Donovan's looking a lot better. I know I've been super, super critical of Donovan's free-throw rate in the past. He's been good the last two games. It's a very good thing seeing the Jazz get to the line. I think it was over 30, 35 attempts last night, if I'm not mistaken. Um, It's it's a very good thing that I hope sticks, especially as the Jazz go more three-point heavy. Because that's one of the trade-offs of going three-point heavy. You don't get fouled on jump shots, right? So Rudy and other guys getting in the lane and getting fouled while their guards shoot threes is a very good recipe for success.
0: And it didn't necessarily help last night, but for shooters, a guy like Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Bojan Bogdanovic, to be able to get to the free-throw line, and if you've missed a couple three-point shots, you get to the free-throw line, what it does for a player mentally to watch the ball go through the hoop is is a huge bonus for everybody so like i said it didn't necessarily benefit the team a lot last night in terms of a win but just watching the ball go down makes a big difference when you've missed your last four shots from the perimeter so it's it's exciting for me to watch mcKay did you have anything else on the jazz before we get to our nfl picks
1: uh yeah um we'll talk a little bit more about some strategy stuff uh foul trouble things you can talk about on wednesday as well as playing last second plays, and all that fun stuff but one more thing i do want to And we'll talk about Rudy's contract. Super excited rudy signed a contract. We'll break that down on Wednesday as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. But one more thing for these couple games is the Jazz have got to force more turnovers. They only forced six in Portland and only nine last night. And you should be forcing 15 turnovers a game, not 15 turnovers every two games. Um, That's something they really struggled with last year. And part of that is just Rudy is awesome defensively and doesn't gamble a ton. And Quinn doesn't want the guys to gamble a ton. But at some point, the reason probably the Wolves beat us last night is turnovers. If you can force turnovers and get out and get easy layups, kind of going back to your free throws, see the ball goes to the basket point, getting out and getting easy layups in transition is really, really good for your offense and obviously your defense because you've got to stop on the other end. So if the Jazz could force some more turnovers, that would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, and that was an issue the Jazz had last season, and not only – forcing turnovers, but because of the way the Jazz run their offense, they are prone to turn the ball over a lot. So last night they had 18 turnovers compared to the Timberwolves with nine. And, yeah, that's just that's too big of a disparity to be able to expect success when there's that big of a difference in the turnover battle. Where can they find you on social media, McCade? Uh,
1: At McCade P8, that's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-A. We're in full swing this
0: season. And it's basketball season, you're talking Jazz you're still upsetting some people at Twitter. We'll talk on Wednesday
1: about foul (laughs) trouble, how the Jazz lost game seven against the Nuggets and how they lost last night. We we? can talk about that on Wednesday as well as Quinn Snyder just goes near corner on every last second possession ever. Um, But I'm not trying to cause any fires and we'll talk about that on Wednesday. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) We will definitely cover that on Wednesday. You can find me Brian Priest on Twitter at bpriest24. I've been pretty quiet the last few days just cuz I've had so much going on, but normally I'll I'll be interacting with people and we can talk during jazz games and I I am actually growing to really enjoy that medium to get to know people a little bit and understand other people's viewpoints on the jazz and other things in this life. So Safe to say I've been a little bit more active on Twitter than I was six months ago. Also, if you like home court press, we'd love it if you can take 30 seconds out of your day and share, rate, review the podcast so that more people can find it. I don't know why it makes a difference, but those ratings and reviews do make a huge difference in people finding the pod. So take a little bit of time to do that. McCade, we already got our picks in. It's, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. So let's just let the people know what our picks are.
1: All right, should we roll this super fast then? What yeah, do you want to get started? Week?
0: Did I go 3-0 last week? I want to say, no, you went 2-0-1. You got another push last week, but I went 3-0. and So I gained half uh, a game on you. I'll
1: have to go double check. I thought I got a half point which made it 3-0. Anyway, um, so if you went 3-0 for sure then, then you're up. So
0: Okay, go for I, it. I'll start it off. This is a game it looks like we both picked, but we went on either side of it. It's going on right now. I don't know what the score is, but I've the got the are up The 21-7.
1: Colts
0: 21-7. Colts are up 21-7? Yep. Perfect. Well, I'm taking the Colts on this one as they play the Steelers. And it looks like I'm up 14 points right now. Who's your first pick, McKidd?
1: And I had the Steelers on the other side. And that game was even. Straight up, pick a winner. Ha ha, um, pick them. And so I took the Steelers, you took the Colts, and the Colts are up 14. It's Either hard to resist pick.
0: a pick them, isn't it?
1: It is. It's really hard. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, my next pick. I've got. I'm going underdog here. I've got Jaguars getting eight points against the Bears. I just. Oh. I think the Bears are terrible, and eight points is a decent amount. I. I don't think either team wins that game by, by more than three or four. So give me the Jaguars plus eight.
1: So I'm in my eliminator, and I'm going to probably win a couple hundred bucks if I can close out this season. And last year the Bears knocked me out in like week five, and I had to choose the Bears this week. Um, that spread number, I do kind of like the Jags but I had to pick the Bears uh, straight up in my eliminator. That game is tied. The Bears are just about to score to go up seven, maybe only three. They have about 30 seconds left in the half. So you're doing well there. Um, my second one is I think the Cowboys got three points at home against the Eagles. Cowboys are making a late playoff push. Zeke's playing. Andy Dalton's not terrible. Um, I think they win that game, and if not, I think they lose it by one-two, or I'll take the push at three.
0: See, that's an interesting one for me, just because the NFC East is so bad. And these two teams in particular have been two of the most difficult teams to pinpoint week to week. So it's just, I mean, it's a ballsy pick because they're so difficult to read. My last pick, I've got the Seahawks heading into Los Angeles, taking on the Rams. Give me the Seahawks minus one. Not that they've looked particularly good, but the Rams lost to the Jets last week, and that has to count for something, right?
1: yeah and you have that flip that game's in seattle so oh in
0: seattle even, you even got
1: a little bit more of bonus there now so the packers clinched the one seed with a seahawks loss and a packers win tonight so uh, i'm hoping that goes the other way but yeah one point at home and basically a division championship um not hard to argue there my last game's tomorrow night monday night buffalo getting seven points in new england i just think the patriots are done mm-hmm. and the bills are rolling look like to be one of the top two three four teams in the league
0: Man, I might take Buffalo minus 11 in that game. Like you said, I think the Patriots are done. Cam Newton can't throw the ball down the field. And I don't think the Patriots have anybody left defensively. Oh, Be- between opt-outs my, and uh, injuries.
1: my I-, I need to get through these last two weeks to win some money. My picture, as I said, the Bears are going against the Jaguars right now. And next week, my three options are take the Patriots over the Jets or choose a winner of one of the NFC East games. And so I don't know what I'm going to do in Week 17, it's rough. Uh, that's how it goes when you're in Week 17, and you've already used the top 16 teams in the league.
0: My advice so, to you, look at where the Patriots stand in the draft order, and what the permutations are if they win or lose, because yeah, that's how Bill the, Belichick is going to decide how, what he wants to do in that game.
1: And the Jets look like Super Bowl contenders all of a sudden getting their first win of the season. They're up 10 against the Browns right now, so... Uh,
0: well, no, the Browns that's, don't have any wide receivers today.
1: That's true, but the Jets are looking to be the best 3-13 team of all time, I guess. <laughs>
0: um, that, that's something to hang your hat on. Definitely. But,
1: uh, we'll be back. We're going to do a short podcast on Tuesday, reviewing the Jazz game in Oklahoma City, and then back for a full podcast on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, so that'll be the plan. Tuesday, we'll do a 10-15 a to 15 minute recap of the game in Oklahoma City Monday night. That's going to be Monday at 6 o'clock. Make sure and set your clocks, Jazz fans. And then Wednesday, we'll talk the Rudy Gobert extension. We'll talk the Jazz as a whole. We'll talk NBA. We'll do all the stuff we've been doing all off season, And we'll combine that all into one big grand show on Wednesday.
1: Well, we'll catch you on Tuesday. Go Jazz. Uh, get back above 500.
0: Yep. Take note.